passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxis. I am so thankful for the Vacation Bible School program and all the good stuff that took place this past week. If you're new to Crosswinds, I'd like to welcome you. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and today we are continuing in our series of studies called Work Matters to God, where we're looking at uh, what the Bible says about how we live our life in the workplace. And today we're talking about everyone's favorite topic when it comes to work, rest, taking a break from work getting a vacation and stepping away from work. Now, everybody like rest from work? Yeah. Now, here's the deal. While you say you love it, statistics tell us that most of you won't take it. New York Times had an article saying that 40% of Americans, as they enter into the summer, had absolutely no plans for a vacation in the next six months. 25% of Americans work an hourly job or some kind of a job that has absolutely no vacation plan, so they don't get any break from work. They don't get a chance to be refreshed and, and restored because their work doesn't allow it for them. If you take the 25% of Americans who don't get a vacation, you look at the rest of them, 33% of those Americans will take a vacation. They'll take a seven-day vacation, which technically is not a seven-day vacation because two of those days are the weekend. So it's really only a five-day vacation is all the rest that they get from work. The Associated Press had an article about work, and it talked about our laptops, and and how one in five Americans, this article, by the way, was in 2006, so it's a little dated, one in five Americans take their laptops with them on vacation. And 80% of Americans in 2006 took their cell phones and their smartphones with them on vacation so they could stay connected to work. Now, that was 2006. I mean, today, it's got to be much higher. In fact, let's do a little poll here. Who here takes their laptop with them on vacation? Who here takes their cell phone with them on vacation? Okay. Now, don't you feel so much more rested because you have work with you? I don't think so. In fact, uh, nowadays, work is creeping into our home life more than ever before because the companies we work for buy us laptops. Now, do you think the company expects you to leave the laptop in the office when you go home at night? No, they expect you to bring the laptop home with you. So now you can work on your time, not just work on their time. Isn't that the way it works? In fact, we have this new thing called a working vacation. You guys ever taken a working vacation? It doesn't work for me because work and vacation don't go together in the same sentence. That's sort of like saying, I had a fun root canal. How can you say you did that? Well, what we're finding is that work and rest, work is bleeding into our times of rest. Work is bleeding into our home life. It's bleeding into everything else about us. And we're not getting any kind of rest. 
In fact, if you think about it, we live in what's called a 24-7 world when it comes to work. You can work all the time. There are no natural breaks or distinctions. I mean, if you want, at 3.15 in the morning, you can go to a 24-hour fitness just to get pumped up. Then, on the way home, you can stop at a 24-hour Taco Bell to eat a chalupa and put in the calories you just burned off. Then you can go to a 24-hour Walmart, buy your flowers, and be putting in your garden by 4.30 a.m. Isn't this the truth? There's no natural breaks between work and rest anymore. It's all blended together, and so we don't get rest. We're often told to look at the corporate executives. The executives are our heroes. If we could live our life in the business world like them, we would just be successful. Except look what their life is like. I read an article, and in it talked about Bill Gates. And this article is a little dated, but I think the point is well made. It says, Bill Gates talks about when he took six days off. He took those six days off between the years of 1978 and 1984. Six days off in six years. Something doesn't seem healthy about that. Also in the article is Melissa Mayer. She is currently the president of Yahoo and the vice president of uh, Google. Talks about how she gets between seven to 800 emails a day. Could you imagine if that lady, if she had her phone on vibrate? All day long. This is what she says. She takes Saturday and Sunday to catch up on her emails. And she works 14 hours straight each day. And she also talks about how she's learned to live on only four to six hours of sleep a night. I mean, how do you do this? It's all work. There's no rest. I mean, do you need rest? Or is just rest for the week? What I want to propose to you today, and what we're going to look at through Scripture, is that rest is essential for work. Rest is essential for work. Not just because we think it is, but because as you trace your finger throughout Scripture, you find how God has structured this world and society and His people that they would be a people of rest. Let's go ahead and and look at the Scriptures on this. Why is rest essential for work? Uh, Number one, we need rest to be restored. Restored physically. Isn't that true? And then when we think of being physically restored, the first place we think of is sleep, and that's our first point. We need daily we need the daily rest of sleep. God did not build us like machines. Machines can operate twenty four hours a day, nonstop, just put fresh oil and put fresh gas in it and they can keep running. But that's not who we are. We're not machines. He built into us the need to stop. To take a rest. Every day we have to get some sleep. We don't just need that physically, but we need that mentally. Because if we don't get good sleep, we will break down mentally, we break down physically. So we need to take our times of daily rest. Now, what you find is that actually people are getting much less rest now than they used to. 
One of the articles I read talked about how Americans are now getting two and a half hours less sleep a night than Americans were 100 years ago. Do you know why that is? Can anyone say electricity? The light bulb? See, God built this planet so you have daylight and you have nighttime. So when the day's up, people are working. When the sun goes down, well, can't do much. You go to sleep, get some good rest. And 100 years ago, you had candles, you had little lamps, but you really weren't doing too much at night. Now with electricity, you have more than adequate light and you can stay up as long as you want into the night. And people who are so committed to working rather than committed to getting some rest, they lose two and a half hours of sleep a day. One study I read talked about how uh, 40 million Americans exist on less than six hours of sleep a night. Uh, this study came from the Center of Disease Control, and it talked about how because of the lack of sleep in America, we have now an increase in diabetes, an increase in obesity, an increase uh, a lot, in a lot of diseases simply because people won't take time to rest from their work. Well, and nothing, with nothing forcing us to go to sleep and plenty of electronic gadgets to keep us awake, we don't like to make time for the God-given gift of sleep. Here's one of the things I think that look inside yourself and realize this. What happens to your work when you don't sleep? Your work suffers, doesn't it? When you don't sleep, you're an irritable person at work. When you don't sleep, you can't think clearly at work. You don't make good decisions, and the decisions and work you do while at work take a lot longer to do because you didn't take the simple God-given gift of sleep, of rest. And He's built us and designed us to need sleep. You need to realize this. You can borrow time from sleep, but you can't steal time from sleep. Let me say that again. You can borrow time from sleep, but you can't steal time from sleep. Now, in particular, I'm talking to the young adults among us. Those of us who are older have learned this lesson already. The young adults go, I have a paper to do, you know, I'm really busy having fun with my friends. I'm just going to wait till midnight. I'll do the paper between midnight and 6 a.m. Because after all, what am I doing during that time? Nothing but sleeping. That's not productive. So I'll just work then. I'll steal my sleep time. And what you learn very quickly is the next day you're a walking zombie. The next day you don't remember anything the teacher said at class. The next day you're falling asleep behind your laptop instead of working behind your laptop and you're having a hard time staying awake on the road if you don't get into an accident. You see, you have to pay that time back. Somewhere you're going to have to go to sleep and catch up on your sleep. You can borrow time from sleep, but you can't steal time from sleep. Look what the scriptures say in Psalm 127 verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, but he gives to his beloved sleep. God's gift to his children is a good night's rest. A good night's rest so we can face the next day and work 
and be refreshed, rejuvenated, and, and recharged. How about this? Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. And the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isn't it true that God's mercies are new every morning? Sometimes we go to work and we do work. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, I have made such a mess of this day. Or this day has so fallen apart that what do you say to yourself? I just need to go to bed. I need to get some rest. I need a new day. And God's gift is you sleep through that night and He refreshes and He rejuvenates you physically and He rejuvenates you mentally and spiritually inside as you rest. Sleep is God's gift to you. And he, when you sleep, you get recharged for work. And so when you steal sleep, it actually, you actually steal from your work. I know this sounds like really practical stuff for a sermon, but it's true. One of the things I learned when I was um, in seminary is that the best thing to do to learn the massive amounts of material that they want you to learn is get a good night's sleep. We had for our Greek and for our Hebrew, we had what these things were called mem cards. There are a thousand cards in a box, and you have to learn every single card, the English and the Hebrew, the most thousand common words. And so what guys would do and is they would stay up late into the night, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, trying to quiz each other to learn these things. And you know, the later it went, the dumber everyone became because you're so exhausted. And I learned this. I started going to bed around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, setting my alarm for 4 a.m., getting a good night's rest, looking for God's mercies to be new in the morning. I'd be refreshed. All the stress of my mind was gone. I would learn my cards in half the time of everybody else. My grades got better. They're like, how do you do it? I'm like, get up at 4 a.m. They go, oh, I could never do that. Go to sleep early enough, you can. God's mercies are new every morning. Sleep is a gift to refresh you, recharge you, restore you. He's designed us to rest so we can work and work well. So don't steal your sleep. Number two. Not only is, do we need rest to be restored physically on a daily basis, but we need a weekly day of rest. The Bible talks about this. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Let me demystify the Sabbath for you a little bit. And when I talk about the Sabbath in this section here, I really want to keep this high level. Don't get all granular on me about this. In a high-level sense, this is what Sabbath means. Sabbath simply means stop. If you were to be in the, the world of ancient Israel and they had stop signs back then, what they would say is not stop, they would say Sabbath. Same word. The Sabbath day is the day you stop Working. Simple. It's a holy day. Now, holy means different from the others. 
Like if you have a bunch of brunettes in the room and a blonde walks into the room, which one is the holy one? Okay, you have a bunch of brunettes. Redhead, oh, she's not even in the room. Let's try again. He, he's always doing this to me. You have a bunch of brunettes in the room and a blonde walks in the room, which is the holy one? The blonde, because she's the one that's separate and that's different. So if you have a holy Sabbath day, it's a day you stop working, and it's a day that, function, that acts and functions and is experienced different from the other days, right? So you're refreshed, you're restored. It's not the same thing as usual. This is really important. Because just as we need our daily sleep, and God has designed us that way, we also need our weekly day of rest. They are just as important for us to function, for us to work, and for us to be productive. We need our rest. Look what the Scripture say, says in Exodus thirty-one seventeen. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested, and notice this, and he was refreshed. That God was refreshed on the stop day, on the day that was different from all the other days. And if God needed and wanted refreshment... What makes us think that we don't need and want refreshment? We need a Sabbath day, a day that we stop, and a day that is different from the others. There's been a, an attempt, by the way, in history, there's two attempts that I found where people tried to get rid of the seventh day of rest or this one in seven pattern of getting a day of rest. Both were done by communist countries. One was done in Russia. One was done in France where they tried to obliterate the seven-day week. And what happened is it failed and failed miserably. And people came to the conclusion that it seems this idea of we work for six days and rest for one day is almost like built into the very natural order of the way God has designed things, which is exactly what the Bible has been telling us all along, that we need a day of rest, one in every seven. Look what it says also in Exodus 20, verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And what I want to point out to you here is the boss was responsible in the Old Testament to make sure his employees took a day of rest. He was to make sure his servants didn't work on that day. You know Chick-fil-A? You ever notice that they're closed on Sunday? Truett Cathy, who was the founder, Dan Cathy, who was his son, who's in charge of it. And what they've committed to is they say, you know, we need to make sure that our employees have a day of rest. They're not working all the time. And we also are committed to making sure our, our employees have a chance to not just have a day of rest physically, but they can have a day to be restored spiritually. They can, you know, go to church. 
And so they said, well, what day are the churches open? Pretty clear. Sunday. So they decided that they would just close on Sunday and trust God with the results. Did it work? Does anybody uh, think Chick-fil-A is doing well? They're doing very well. Even though they have one-seventh less the business of everybody else. So you can trust God with this. So number one, we have the fact that we need daily times of rest. God has built that into the world. We can't steal time. We can only borrow it. Number two, we need a weekly day of rest because the Sabbath, in its most basic form, it simply means stop and do something different for that day. Number three, we need extended times of rest. What are those things called? Vacations. Yes, we need vacations. Now, began thinking, where does the Bible talk about vacations? And it doesn't, in one sense, it doesn't say a lot about vacations. And then in another sense, it says an awful lot. I began thinking about like the Jewish calendar and the Jewish holidays. And I began to realize that the Jewish culture stuck out to the other pagan cultures around them because they're the culture that had a whole bunch of mandatory vacation time. Think about it. They had all these feasts. Now, incidentally, the vacation time was not a vacation to do nothing. It was a vacation that was associated with a religious holiday. So they were physically refreshed, plus they were spiritually refreshed. Right? So uh, here you go. And by the way, they had lots of food, too. This is what they were, they were doing. They had the New Moon Festivals, the Passover Festivals, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, the Feast of Purim, the Feast of Dedication. I mean, we thought we were kicking it because we had July 4th, Thanksgiving, and Christmas off. I mean, it seems like these guys are never at work. They have a Sabbath, plus they have all this mandatory vacation time. You'd think if they actually observed all this stuff, Man, they would not get anywhere in the way of productivity. And here's where it gets interesting. I want you to listen to this. It's when they observed the Sabbaths. It's when they observed the holidays that had physical rest plus spiritual restoration in them that they were successful. It is when they worked 24-7 and didn't take their Sabbaths and holidays that their lives fell apart. Look what the scriptures say about this. But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of this city on the stop day, the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy. In other words, make it different than the others and do no work on it. You see, don't work. Then there shall enter by the gates of the city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. You'll be a smashing success. If you observe your stop days, then keep them different. But then it continues. But if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and not bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates 
and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. You don't listen to me to take some rest. You're going to be destroyed. You don't just need rest physically, but you need these days of rest spiritually to be recalibrated and to be realigned with God. Interestingly, you continue on, and Nehemiah uh, talks about this. This is after the Jews had come back out of exile. They come into the land, and what does Nehemiah say? I love this. He says, In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine and grapes and figs and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the stop day. And I warned them on that day when they sold food. Tyrenians also, who lived in the city, they brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. So you have the foreigners, you know, who don't follow a Sabbath day, making opening a Walmart in Jerusalem on the stop day. So everyone's buying and selling just like it's like every other day. They're not stopping from work. They're not making this different. It's just like everything else. And then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath? And he goes on to say, Isn't this the very reason we got sent into exile in the first place? That God crushed us because we wouldn't stop and rest? So this is important. We need to rest physically. We need to rest spiritually. And just because you rest, it doesn't mean your business is going to fall apart. God's in charge of your business, isn't he? Now, many of us need to realize we have actually more rest time than other cultures in one sense. While we don't have all these mandatory vacation holidays, we have a two-day weekend. Many cultures worked six days and only had one day off. And what had happened is, historically, our founding fathers, when they were trying to set up our calendar, they didn't know whether to give a Saturday, which is sort of the Jewish Sabbath and day of worship, or Sunday off, which is the Christian Sabbath and day of worship. It's which one to do? So somebody had the bright idea, is, why don't we give them, like, both days off? Which I have, someday, I hope that guy's in heaven, because I can't wait to shake his hand, because that was one of the best ideas I think I've heard in a long time. Two-day weekend. Amen. Amen to that, yeah. Now, by the way, this is not just an Old Testament thing where we see that the Jews had lots of holidays and mandatory vacation time. But you see it in the New Testament as well. You see it with Jesus. I love this. Mark chapter 6, 30 through 32. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. Take a vacation. For many were coming and going as they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in the boat to a desolate place. I love the way Jesus handled this when they were totally stressed out from work. He's like, guys, we need to get away and take a rest. He didn't say, grab a Red Bull and keep going. And notice he said they went away to a desolate place. That means there was no cell phone service. So they literally cut off from work, you know, from other people. 
so they could be refreshed and restored. So like I said, the scriptures teach us there's this natural rhythm that we need to fulfill, which is we need rest every day. We need rest every week. And we need extended times of rest to unplug and get away. But we don't just need rest physically. But as I've hinted already, we need to be rested and restored spiritually. Ezekiel 20, verse 16 says, Because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths, for their hearts went after other idols. The first way you know that somebody is spiritually drifting is you look at if they are taking a Sabbath day. You look at their church attendance. Are they taking a day to stop and rest from work and are they going to church on Sunday? Because when they're not going to church, they're starting to drift from church. Chances are they're starting to drift spiritually. Isn't that true? Some of you know that I used to have a Camaro. In fact, I used to have two Camaros. Uh, this, let me show you a picture of my first one. Is it coming up? Oh, there it is. That's my first Camaro. I uh, had that for a while, but this car had a little problem with it. And that is that it always, always went out of alignment. This was a salvage title. It had been in a wreck, so they sort of rebuilt it, and things weren't all quite right. Thanks, Jeremy, and put that down. Um, I could, just driving around Philadelphia, New Jersey, going over all the potholes, it seemed like it took no time, and the thing started to want to pull to the side of the road. I'm thinking I could run over a dime, and it would knock it out of alignment. And... Um, just every oil change, just get that thing realigned. And, I, and as I was thinking about the scriptures, I said, that car is a good analogy to what our lives are like. Because it doesn't take long when we leave church on Sunday, we're, we're aligned spiritually and we go to work. And all of a sudden on Monday, we have pressure, we have deadlines, we have everything hitting us. We have pressure from the world. We have a difficult boss to deal with. We come home and the kids are coming off the wall and, and we're getting stressed out. And then on the commute to work, we find somebody cuts us off in traffic and, and gives us the finger or something. Then we're all irritated about that all day long. Then we come home and want to relax and unwind. And then we have all this godless television. It's not drawing us to Christ. And all of a sudden, in a few days, we're finding ourselves spiritually out of alignment, aren't we? And we've learned that the best thing to do is every day wake up and read God's Word because it brings us back into line. Every week you come to corporate worship because God realigns you spiritually because you get knocked out of alignment by the potholes of life just going through the week. And it's also good to take some extended times away. Extended times away to pray and to think what's going on in your life, where are things going? Not just extended times away to rest physically, but to rest spiritually. Important stuff. I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, Pastor, I get this. I get you're talking on a real high level that it's important for me to rest. It's important for me to take a, a Sabbath stop day. It's important for me to even get vacation time. But I have to tell you, it doesn't work into my life. My life is so busy. My work is so demanding. I have no time to take these Sabbaths, these stops, these vacations. And to you, I want to say this. Is the success of your business in your hands 
or is it, in, is it in God's hands? Is the success of your business in your hands, or is it in God's hands? If it's in your hands, you're absolutely right. There is no way you can take any kind of Sabbath or break, because as soon as you do, it would fall apart. But if your business is truly in God's hands, then you can rest at night. You can take a Sabbath day, and you can even take a vacation day. It's a spiritual realignment and a refreshment. You take some of those time, because God can carry your business through. One of the things I noticed as I was thinking about this was the, the story in Exodus about manna and how God gave manna. And there was an interesting thing that happened with the manna on the Sabbath day. Let me read for you Exodus sixteen twenty two through 30. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread as, as twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath, holy stop day to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning. And as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. So six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath day, the day you stop and rest, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Notice this. God provided for them supernaturally. So even though he only gave them enough bread for every day, on Friday, he gave them twice as much bread and he supernaturally extended it so they didn't have to work on Saturday. So who was in charge of providing for their daily needs? Themselves or God? Thank you. It's God. He provided for them what they needed so they could take a rest. Because rest is essential for work. God's in charge of our business. The backside of the outline. I have to talk about Jesus, because otherwise this wouldn't be a Christian sermon. So let's talk about Jesus. How does Jesus change rest? Well, there's a lot of things you could talk about. You could talk about how Jesus changed the rest day, because technically the Old Testament Sabbath is Saturday, but we celebrate it on Sunday. Why do we celebrate it on Sunday? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And in fact, Every time the New Testament church gathered or something supernatural happened after Christ's resurrection, it always happened on the first day of the week, not the last day of the week. So we celebrate the Sabbath in anticipation of what the future, where the old Sabbath looks back upon what God has done. We could also talk about how Jesus restored the purpose of the Sabbath. There's a great passage in Mark where Jesus says, um, the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. You're like, well, what does that mean? 
A lot of people had made rules of things you can and can't do on the Sabbath, and it had become a big burden. And Jesus said, no. This Sabbath day is not a burden day. It's a gift. It's a gift from God for you to rest, to be restored. The Sabbath was made for you, not you for it. But what I want to talk about today, though, is neither of those. The really important thing you need to know is that Jesus is rest. Jesus is Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about this a lot. You see, every other religion out there is all about work. What you have to do for God. What you have to do to gain God's favor. But Jesus has gained God's favor for you. He died in your place for your sin. You accept what He's done for you by faith and you rest. Our relationship with God is simply resting in what Jesus has done. Isn't that different? Not what we do, but what He's done. Now, I know we all know this, but I think while we may know this in our heads, the way we work doesn't preach it with our lives. Because while we rest in what Jesus has done, we never want to rest from what we have done. We never want to go to bed at night and get our sleep. We want to work through the Sabbath day rather than make it a day that is different from the others. Never to make it a day where we stop from work and don't do our homework on Sunday afternoon. We never want to take a vacation or extended time of rest because we're saying, oh, I take a vacation, my business would fall apart. And like, your business is never in your hands to begin with. It's in God's hands. You can trust Him to take some times of rest. I mean, how many of you took all of the vacation that was allotted to you at work this past year? Put your hand up. One, two, three, four, five. Five people took all of the vacation that was allotted to them at work. Now, some of you are retired and some of you are self-employed. I know that. But for the most part, if you look at our culture, we never take all of our days of vacation because we don't trust that our business will handle it when we're gone. Well, let's look at some applications here. How do I rest from work? How can I apply this? Number one, disconnect from technology. Isn't that the problem? We live in a 24-7 world. We are unwilling to disconnect. Get yourself off the grid for periods of time. Teenagers, you can survive and still breathe without an iPhone. I know this is news to some of you, but you can disconnect and make it okay. Get off the grid. You know, um, read a book. And some of you are like, well, I can't read a book and be off the grid because my books are all on my computer, which, by the way, is me. I have all my books on the computer. But this is what I do. I have an iPad. And my iPad, I have every single alert mechanism turned off. That thing doesn't buzz. It doesn't whistle. It doesn't vibrate. You could be texting me and emailing me all day long, and I would just be enjoying the book because I wanted to get some Sabbath and some stop day. Here's another uh, example for you. When you go to bed, don't bring your laptops with you. 
I've talked to people over the years that it's like the husband and wife are both in bed next to one another and they're responding to emails in bed. I'm like, that is so unbiblical. When you're in bed with your spouse, I don't think God wants you responding to somebody else's email. He wants you talking to your spouse. So put your laptops down. And when your phone goes off in the morning and the first thing you do is you want to roll over out of bed and you want to touch your phone and check your email, stop, disconnect, put boundaries in your life. Instead of rolling over to your nightstand, roll over the other way and talk to your spouse and see how they're doing in the morning. Show them that they're more important than the email you get from work. Take a break. Take a Sabbath. Number two, get enough sleep. Get some sleep. Remember, sleep is a gift from God. It's God's design to restore you and to strengthen you. You'll be smarter with it. You'll feel better with sleep. And trust me, you'll get twice as much work done with sleep than without sleep. Number three, take a day for physical rest and restoring my heart. By the way, as you know, I am preaching all these points to myself because I'm a major violator on the Sabbath issues here. But take a day for physical rest. Typically, for most of you, that is Sunday. This is your weekend. Uh, Others of you who are listening to this are like me, where you work on the weekend. Then find the day during the week and make it a holy Sabbath. A day where you literally completely stop work and you do something different than work. That's what holy means. If you choose not to, realize what you're doing is going against the very fabric of the way God has designed us. What you'll find yourself doing is at work, you'll be snoozing off. You'll be winning distractions. Next one, take a vacation or an extended time of rest. Uh, 25 years ago, there was a lot of talk about how technology would make life easier. Did that work? Thank you. Uh, 25 years ago, the average work week was 40 hours. Today, it's how many hours, do you think? About 50. So technology has not made life easier. It's made life harder and made life longer. Next point, manage work so I'm not working on the weekend. We work in a 24-7 world. We, we looked at all the ways it's so easy to work on the weekend. And what I've discovered with myself and I look at others, since you know you're going to be looking at your cell phone on Saturday, what you tend to do is not get work done completely on Friday. Because after all, I'm going to be doing some work on Saturday anyway, so your work time bleeds into your rest time, so you don't really actually get a, a rest. You never actually get away from work to get refreshed and recharged. Sometimes it's just a matter of self-discipline. I recognize sometimes it's a crisis and you can't do anything about it, but sometimes it's just good old-fashioned self-discipline to say, this is work time, this is family time. I'm not going to allow work into my family. Next, have a plan for my day of rest. Uh, I'm a guilty one here. Cindy says, what do you want to do on our day off? And I say, well, I'm looking forward to breathing deeply, listening to my heartbeat, and staring at a blank wall. Now, that may be exciting to me, but it's not really exciting and refreshing to her. And so one of the things that I'm working on is like, we have to have a plan so there's something to look forward to. And the last one, and by the way, I forgot to put it on the outline because I took my day of rest on Friday. 
That's why it's not there. But this is very important, and all the women are going to love me on this one. Give mom a Sabbath once a week. Give her a break from the kitchen. Now, why do I say this? Exodus 35, verse 3 says, Don't make a fire on the Sabbath. You're like, what does that have to do with mom? It means don't cook on the Sabbath. Don't put mom in the kitchen. Give her a day of rest from the daily work of preparing food. And I don't know what that means. For you, it may mean take out order of pizza. Maybe there's one day a week that's leftovers night. I don't know. Maybe it's crockpot time. But give mom a break. She needs a Sabbath too. Well, folks, rest. Rest is essential for work. We need daily rest so we can work. We need a weekly day of rest so we can work. We need extended times away from work so we can be refreshed and recharged. It's not just essential physically, it's essential spiritually. In fact, the Jews, they always, they rested physically and spiritually at the same time. They put them together. And folks, we live in a 24-hour, seven-a-day-a-week society where work and rest bleed together. Try and find some time to compartmentalize safe times for rest in your lives. When you go to work, people are going to say, I need a vacation. I need a vacation from work. But I want to challenge you to use some different terminology. Don't say, I need a vacation from work. Say, I need a vacation for work. Because rest is essential for work. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.